Hey everyone, welcome back on the Founders Club. Uh, today my guest is Jay Thornhill. Uh, he is the co-founder of Baupulse and also the head of uh, product development. Uh, Baupulse is a fast-growing startup here in Shanghai. They, able, they enable foreigners who don't speak uh, Chinese to buy easier and purchase easier on uh, Taobao. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. We just wanted to make it easy for people like us to shop online in China and buy anything we want. That's awesome. So first of all, thank you for uh, taking this interview. Can you tell me more about the time you decided to, when you decided to come here in China? How did that happen? Yeah, um, I was 21 years old, so you know that was like a few weeks ago. Um, but uh, no, so I just graduated from university. Uh, I was in LA. I, I majored in film, but I also studied business and video game design. Um, and all I knew was that I wanted to see a different part of the world. And I was really interested in Asia because I did an internship in Hong Kong. My parents lived in Thailand for a couple of years. Um, I visited Tokyo. So these three trips that I had in, in Asia were, were awesome. Um, and uh, it was really, you know, I didn't have a, a long-term plan or anything. Um, I just figured I was going to do one year in Asia, one year in, in uh, Europe, and then one year in South America, and then go back to LA. Um, and the only way I, I could see how to do that was if I taught English. Um, and so I chose Shanghai to start because uh, I know that English teachers get paid well in Shanghai, at least my research told me that, um, and it's the most international city in China. And I just thought China was a, a really interesting place to go because of the economic growth. I mean, this is back in 2007. Um, and then after one year, um, you know, I really loved teaching, um, but also I just found all these other opportunities here. And I thought, okay, well, I could go to, say, Spain and South America after that and just continue teaching and live kind of a relaxed party lifestyle, right, like I was doing. But then I thought, well, or I could like actually take my career seriously and think about what I want to do and, um, and explore these opportunities here. So I ended up doing that and then one year led to another and now here I am 12 years later. Someone pushed you to take more seriously and to consider a career or who was the person at the time that kind of... Uh, redirected you to some part was it, um, there it was, was any person I mean it was me I think <laughs> <laughs> so yourself yeah. yeah no it was it was me and just um, you know wanting uh, I made up my mind pretty early on that I wanted to control my I don't want to say destiny <clears throat> that's too grandiose but I wanted to control my work um, I wanted to be in control of my career um, and a few years so in my mid-twenties um, I actually left and went to Hong Kong. I'd been working for myself as a freelancer for uh, almost three years in Shanghai. Um, and then I moved to Hong Kong because I took a job offer in investment banking. Um, and I did one year there, saved up some money, and then decided I wanted to work for myself for the rest of my life. That was kind of just, that was just a, a very general goal that I set. Um, and I knew I could do that if I come back to Shanghai, at least for a little while, and then try to you know, get a business license and, and go from there. So. Um, yeah, it was really, I think, just wanting independence and, and wanting to see what happens when, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just in the wild by myself and I have to, I have to figure out my value to society, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so obviously, you're in China, you worked for a bank and then you transition from working for someone to working for yourself. Right. Can you tell us some of... Uh, 
uh, the time uh, transitions that you mm -hmm. had, what you did, and because uh, I noticed in my research for this interview, I noticed you worked uh, did other endeavors as a co-founder, yeah. as a founder. Can you talk more about right. that? Um, yeah, I guess even when you are kind of working for yourself, you're really always working for somebody, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, whether you're working for your partners or you're working for your clients, um, right? Yeah, your customers. So, um, so I mean, when I was freelancing, I my bread and butter was corporate training. So I would go to companies, uh, mostly uh, like multinational Fortune 500 companies who have staff here in Shanghai. And um, I started teaching them business English or English for the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, and then I saw kind of a progression from there to teaching communication skills. Um, <clears throat> and there's sort of like levels that you can go up as you, as you get more into training. So I focused on, I got my business license and I focused on um, taking the like management level clients because that, that's one-on-one -on -one and it's far more, it was far more interesting for me because I got to learn from these people who had been really successful and get an inside look at how they're running mm. these big businesses. Right. Um, and then I, I started <clears throat> creating material so that other trainers could um, use my material and kind of work under my brand and get clients. So I made like a small team, uh, really, really small team, uh, just with a, a few trainers that I worked with. Um, and then I ended up, uh, ended up actually, I, I don't even want to say like getting acquired or selling because they didn't pay anything. <laughs> um, but I, I brought my clients to a competitor um, and, okay. and, took a, and, and got a, kind of a stake in their company um, because they were far more technologically focused and, and scalable and they were doing an online platform. And I thought, you know, the trouble being kind of a solo consultant or trainer was that I didn't know how to scale up. And I thought, okay, I could do this and make good money, but then how does the business go beyond me? Right. So you um, have to automate part of the business where you put yourself out of the equation. So right. That was the question for you. How do I do that? Yeah. So I came Whether really, I sell it. Yeah. I came really content focused. Um, and so for, for the startup that I joined, I was creating app content and, and designing, you know, what a learning app would be like. And um, that was really interesting. But it's a competitive industry and it wasn't and, and, you know, it started becoming kind of a sinking ship. It was a real struggle and um, there were financial difficulties. Um, and then when my uh, one of the, entrepreneur. <laughs> I know, right? And then when one of my best friends um, just started talking to me about this idea for a shopping platform, um, I thought, oh, well, that's you know, that sounds that sounds like a great idea. I'm happy to help you talk through it, give my advice. I'll work with you in the evenings on the weekend um, because I think it could be really fun. Um, and then as it started becoming real. Um, and my, my two uh, co-founders asked me to, you know, come fully in and, and just say, you know, be the third co-founder, be part of it. Um, it was almost a blessing in disguise that the mm -hmm. company I was with wasn't doing well because I didn't have much to lose. Um, right. And so I was like, why not, you know, let's just go all in. So, okay, so you start uh, to plug a bit of what it was, was about my, to be my following question. Uh, which is, how do you guys came with the idea of Baobals, mm -hmm. which is the company that you're running right, right. now as a co-founder. And if you can plug also, how did you meet the other uh, founders of the okay, company? Okay, sure. Um, so yeah, me and my, my two co-founders, we were already uh, really close friends before Baopals because um, we met really just randomly um, by proximity as foreigners in Shanghai. Sometimes, you know, you get in an elevator with somebody, they're a foreigner, you're a foreigner, you feel obligated to acknowledge them and say <laughs> right. hello uh, because you live in the same building or the same compound. Um, and that's really how it happened. I met I met a guy in the elevator um, who met 
uh, my future co-founder on the street and organized a party that we both went to and then we became really good friends. They became roommates. Um, and then he also met a guy in the elevator uh, about a year later and then that, that guy needed a place to stay. They became roommates, really good friends. We all became just the foreigners in the building, you know. Um, and so we became really good friends and it wasn't until like a year and a half after we'd become close friends that we even thought of, uh, you know, doing this business together. Um, and that happened because um, uh, our co-founder, Charlie, um, was basically going through, he was going through kind of like a quarter life crisis. Um, and it was when he was 25, I believe. So, um, so if he's living to 100, it was exactly a quarter life crisis um, where he was just thinking that he didn't know what he was doing with his life. I mean, he had a good stable job as a, as a teacher at international school, making good money, getting long vacation. Um, but at 25 years old. Yeah. That? Right. Yes. He was doing fine. Um, you know, and, but he, he felt like he didn't want to be a teacher. That wasn't his career. It was just easy and, and comfortable. Um, and so he started thinking about starting a business and he, he read some books, uh, like from zero to one. Um, Thiel, yeah. <laughs> right. So he, that, that book kind of inspired him. Um, and, uh, and so we just started listing out problems that he would want to solve. And these were all problems that he faced as a foreigner in China. Um, okay, so there's the insight, uh, which is focus, start to focus on the problems. Right, yeah. What problems that we have as a foreigners? Always focus on the problems. So how did you map yeah. out those problems? Can you work a bit? Well, it was such, yeah, I mean, it was at the top of his list is shopping on, online and shopping on Taobao. And, and the fact of the matter was, is we'd been living in China for years and we weren't shopping online. Um, even though China has arguably the best online shopping in the world. And the reason we weren't doing it is because it was all set up for Chinese. Um, because that's the market, obviously, here. Um, and anytime we wanted to buy something on Taobao, we would have to ask one of our Chinese friends or colleagues, and it was just a hassle, and we felt bad about it. And so we usually just ended up not buying many things, um, right. you know, because we didn't know where to get it. We didn't have much choice, and, um, and we were, like, too lazy to, to, you know, to browse the shopping mall or didn't have time. So, um, you know, it was, it was a very clear problem. And, and back then as well, uh, you know, foreigners weren't using Alipay. Now we are using Alipay. It, it has at least the first layer in English. Um, so a lot of foreigners are using it. Um, but even so, the, the pain points that existed then for shopping online exist now. It's all in Chinese. Uh, customer service is in Chinese. Uh, the, the website design, the user experience, all of that is catered to the Chinese. It's quite chaotic and overwhelming. There's a lot of unfamiliarity with the brands and the products. There's not really a, st a consistent standard of service quality. Um, and uh, deliveries can be a pain as well. You don't always know where it's coming. You don't know if you're going to get a call or a text message. You don't know who to talk to if you have a problem. Um, we just wanted to eliminate all of these uh, pain points, you know, to make it as easy as possible and as enjoyable as possible for people like us to shop online. And um, once we once we recognized that it was possible that we could build a solution that allowed us to shop here the way we might shop on Amazon, um, we knew it was, a, it was a golden idea. We just had to figure out how to build it. <laughs> what are some of the hurdles that you encounter when you start to build uh, the first version of Bob Halls at the time? Hmm. Um, <laughs> Were yeah. there so many that... <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the, the first version of Bob Halls was held together by duct tape. It, it, was, <laughs> it was, I mean, it was built essentially by the three of us, right? So, um, so uh, Charlie and I focus on content um, and, and I did design with input from, from the guys as well. 
Um, but just because I was the only one who really knew how to use Photoshop, I became the de facto designer of the website. Um, and so the early version of the website, you could probably notice some elements that looked a lot like Walmart and Amazon, but different colors. Because I'm good at manipulating things on Photoshop. <laughs> so we just had to get by. You know, We just had to, to, try, to make, try to use what we could to get the website up as quickly as possible. Because it, it wasn't about making it perfect, making it look great. It was about making it work. And, and getting the core technology. So uh, Tyler, or TJ as, as we call him, um, he's the programmer. So uh, he was writing all the code. Um, Charlie and I were, were building the departments and re basically reorganizing all of Taobao. And we're talking about uh, you know, over 800 million products. So we had to it's figure out, yeah. Man of war, I guess. Oh my God, yeah, months. Just, just constantly searching and figuring out the right Chinese to find exactly what we were looking for. Like if I want to find like men's high top canvas shoes, what is the perfect you know, search for that? Okay, we've got a link, let's categorize it in the men's footwear department, in the casual shoes category, and it's going there. We're calling it that and we're adding these tags to it. You know, building, building this entire shopping website. And because we never really shopped online, even in the West. I came here when I was 21. I didn't, you know, before that I wasn't really shopping online. Mm -hmm. um, and so we had to just learn what, what is a good shopping website like? How, how do people find what they want? How do they pay for what they want? What kind of customer service do they expect? How are we going to let them track the delivery of their order? How are we going to communicate with them? How do we set up our official WeChat account? How do we do live chat customer service? Are we going to be calling them on the phone? Should we have a phone number for them to call us? So it's it's just like so many questions, so much uncertainty that we had to solve. Exactly, and one of the key uh, um, what was one of the key elements that uh, enabled you to understand that okay, we're on the right track. What was the one mm. of the key those learnings? Yeah, that um, kind of like give you the sense of product market right, fit. Right. Um, you know, I didn't. I, I feel like I. I didn't totally answer the last question, which is what was the biggest challenge? And this helps answer this question. The biggest challenge is the technology, I think. Um, it's really hard to build what we built because you have to work with um, some pretty complex Chinese uh, technology and data. Um, and then you also need to know how to cater it for foreigners. So, um, so that's no easy thing to do. And we also had to do it without, without really permission or guidance. Um, fortunately, in the end, you know, we, we were able to build it and, um, and we were able to get all the permissions we needed. Um, but we knew, I think we knew it, that we had something that was feasible once we had the search on our own website. Once we were able to, you know, type in a search term, like let's say I'm looking for NBA merchandise, right? Or, uh, or I'm looking for funny t-shirts, whatever. Um, I was able to type that in on our website and then see thousands of product choices. And I could see the price of the product. I could see the pictures. I could see enough of the details that I knew what it was. Um, and I felt like I could totally buy this. I, I trust this website. Um, that, I, think, I think once we had that, we knew we had a, a good product on the way. Um, and then the validation came you know, within a week of, of launching it and just telling our friends mm -hmm. um, and seeing people screenshotting WeChat messages. I still have some on my phone. Mm -hmm. Screenshots of people telling me, hey, like, I just saw your website. I can't believe it. This is awesome. I've been waiting for this. And then you know, seeing conversations from strangers with like, hey, I'm in a group chat and they're talking about Bao Pals. Um, and, and people saying like, does it really work? And they're like, yeah, I just got these shoes. It's totally legit, you know? Cause like people had to trust us with their money. Right. 
not knowing us, not not knowing our brand. Yeah, you know? so we build the trust over time. It's right. also uh, a relief as a founder because right. you say, okay, we're on the right track. We're building something that scra- scratches someone each, which is our, yeah. our own as well because we are uh, 40 year Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, we uh, need that. <laughs> everything you see on me was bought on our website. Right? <laughs> okay. I'm one of our top customers. So, so yeah, exactly. You scratch your own each. Mm-hmm. That's uh, really, I think that's one of the, uh, among others, a very interesting key element uh, for founders to scratch their own itch, to solve their I, I own I totally problem. agree. And, and I think that's where I struggled in the past is that I was constantly um, creating a product for the Chinese market, um, which is great, you know, when it, and I was able to be somewhat successful, but at the same time, I didn't always understand what they wanted. And so um, I couldn't always deliver, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so now, it's quite easy to figure out what my audience or what, what our customer wants because we are that excuse me we are that customer so when we have a frustration using the website when we think the service isn't quite right um, we know that our customer feels the same way and we can prioritize the right. improvement and now a word from our sponsor my name is Emmanuel Nama and I'm the CMO of Edugo Many entrepreneurs and founders know how to introduce themselves, their business, in English. However, they have a hard time doing that in Mandarin. At EduGo, we believe that if you speak to a man in his language, many doors and opportunities may open up for you. That's why we created the 15 Days Challenge, where you first define what you want to learn, why you want to learn it, and we will show you how you're going to do it. With 15-minute online lessons with an EduGo teachers per day and a 30-minute review of that content, you will learn Chinese faster. If you want to pitch your startup in Chinese, follow the link in the show notes and join the challenge. So, next question. Where you guys are hitting with the company right now? What's the five... Five years plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the classic five-year plan. Huh? Yeah, uh, <laughs> the Chinese. So, yeah, so since we're, we're in China, <laughs> right? We uh, we we're just we passed our three-year anniversary. So we launched Congrats. March first. Thank you. We launched March first, twenty sixteen. Um, and so yeah, we're getting close to three and a half years now. Um, and uh, yeah, things are quite stable now. The first year was uh, was chaos. It was really exciting. It was just if. The, the idea of that year was if you build it, they will come. So we were just grinding away uh, on a table in, in our apartment um, and just getting by on like ramen and dumplings. And, mm-hmm. you know, we weren't really part of the startup scene. We were just kind of like guys in a cave building. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just knew that if we get it out there, that we would use it, our friends would use it, and it should grow from there. Um, and we eventually had like 18 people working in a two-bedroom apartment. It was crazy. And so 18. 18, yeah. That first year we grew so fast and it became a real company. All of a sudden, you know, we're like, we're just cooking sausages for our Chinese staff while they're working <laughs> overtime. We're like, thank you so much, you know. Like, um, and, uh, and then, you know, the second year we moved into a big office and it was all about kind of refining the processes and the teams and figuring out, okay, like, how do we standardize our hiring practices? What is our what is the team makeup? What what is the culture that we're building? And um, how do we improve the processes? Now that we've learned the entire customer journey, how do we kind of go back and rethink the way that we're operating? Um, and uh, and then the third year, um, 
we was basically about kind of setting it up for the future, uh, for future growth and stabilizing a lot of it. Um, you know, our team, our team has been great and we've got about 40 people now. Um, and, uh, we have like hardly any turnover. I think we've had just a couple people leave the company in the past year. Um, and so we, we now we work in a house. Um, the team is quite good. We're really happy with them We're we're able to sustain kind of the low seasons and then get through the peak seasons. So you guys don't like the office environment, still in the house. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we left the office uh, and went back to a house um, because we realized that the, the environment you're in really helps define the culture, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so now we're in a house with a pool table and a ping pong table. We got our dogs running around. Um, we had a cat, sadly, he, he passed away. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but just being in that sort of environment, I think it helps facilitate the, the attitude we want people to have where it's like, this isn't this isn't a job. We don't want you to hate coming in. Um, we want you to feel like your family. Right. Uh, I remember <clears throat> the first time I've uh, I've heard about you guys about Baupods was few few months ago, mm -hmm. and we were uh, having lunch with other founders at the table, and we were talking about found foreign founders here in China. Okay. And one of the questions we were asking, like, okay, there aren't many. Uh, I mean, there are a handful of foreign successful startups here in China, mm -hmm. successful, like, uh, make a lot of money or raising A, B, and so on and so right. And we're like, the question popped out, like, who is the most successful startup uh, mm. here in China so far? And the name that came was uh, a Baopas. Well, whoever guys. said that, tell them I'm flattered. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's how, great, how yeah. I, uh, I, I heard, uh, the first time I heard about, uh, mm -hmm. about you guys. And uh, the realization was, as a founder, as a foreign founder here in China, it's it's harder given the um, mm -hmm. the language, given the culture barriers and then the regulation barriers, yeah. which you mentioned before. Uh, <clears throat> so I want to to ask, what was the the hardest and the easiest way mm -hmm. of being an entrepreneur here in China or a founder yeah. here in China? Yeah. So it's kind of, I mean, on the one hand, it's flattering to be, you know, considered one of the most successful foreign-run startups in China. But on the other hand, it, it shows the bar is not that high, right? Um, I mean, we've been able to do quite well, but we're not, we're not you know, a household name um, by any means. And, and outside of China, you wouldn't know us unless you're our supportive family and friends. Um, but still, in a specific niche, you, yeah. you're well-known. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've been able to do pretty well. I mean, we've, we've had like 160 million RMB in sales um, in, in a little over three years. So... The, the amount of shopping happening on our, our website is quite high. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think specifically, the, the challenge specifically for being a foreign startup, I mean, there's, there's several. One is, one is uh, that you're, you probably uh, aren't going to navigate the Chinese waters as well as a Chinese person would for obvious reasons. I mean, even if you're like fluent, even if you're near native in Chinese, which you probably aren't, I'm nowhere near, um, neither are my co-founders. Um, you, you won't always have the same doors open to you, right? Like going into, going into a, a meeting with a potential Chinese investor, for instance, even if you speak great Chinese, if you have a Chinese person sitting next to you, they're probably gonna wanna talk to them, um, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's the same thing anywhere, right? People are naturally drawn to people that they have similar characteristics with. Um, and, and, and here the culture gap is so large um, that you know, you're gonna feel that even more so. Um, but having said that, I mean, 
Yeah, so for us, like that's the challenge is we can't read the Chinese contracts. We can't. We don't know Chinese labor laws. We don't know. We didn't know how taxes work. We didn't. We we haven't been able to,、uh, you know, pursue like grants or or subsidies or、mm-hmm. a lot of the benefits that you might get.、Um, but at the same time, too, there are organizations that are trying to help foreign、uh, entrepreneurs. Um, and so we've been able to win a bit of money by by participating in some startup competitions early on.、Um, someone tried to help us attain a government grant, but then that was just a sloppy process, and we dropped out because it didn't seem to be going anywhere. And、right. um, but yeah, I think I think one of the hardest things is just is just not really having the security, not knowing how big you can get、um, before something might happen. Like there are certain licenses you can't get if you're a foreign company. Um, and you don't need those licenses when you're small, but when you get bigger, all of a sudden, you know, who knows? You you might there a competitor with some you know some some sway、uh, might say, hey, take a look at these guys, this foreign company that's competing with us. They don't have the right licenses, right? I don't know if that's going to happen to us. I don't know if that's our fate.、Um, but I'm happy to just be left alone because I think if we're left to our own devices and there's no interference,、um, then I think we'll be just fine. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of the scary unknown is is how big can you get before maybe you start drawing attention that you don't want, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, you also just got to be careful, you know, about your brand itself. What does your brand stand for? I mean, I think we've we've had the benefit of being a brand、um, that the Chinese government is quite fond of, and Alibaba is quite fond of because、um, basically what we represent is foreigners who. Uh, came to China, who believed that China is a land of opportunity,、um, and had a real kind of, like,、uh, what's the word,、um, like pulled up by our bootstraps type of entrepreneurial journey,、um, and and we're trying to bring what we love about China, and that's the you know we love many things, but the online shopping, and we're trying to share that with the rest of the world, and it probably helps us that we're not competing、uh, for the Chinese market. Have you ever met?、Uh... With someone at the top level of Alibaba,、uh, so、yeah, not not Jack Ma. If that's、ah. who you're thinking of, I've been in the same room as him, and he's heard me speak. That's my claim to fame.、Um, so, <laughs> so、yeah. let's say we I met him. <laughs> I can't say that.、Um, that would not be true. But、um, no, so I have a rule actually. Just a funny tangent. I have a rule. If I ever go to a, a forum or a networking event, I if there's a Q and A, I have to ask a question.、It、doesn't matter if I really have a meaningful question.、Mm-hmm. The answer doesn't matter either. Question is to introduce myself and what I do to everybody in the room. Right. Because if you do that, then everyone knows you and people come talk to you. Versus, you know, getting stuck chatting with one guy in the corner who, you know, probably not really there to talk to you, and,、right. and you just end up making one friend and then going home. So I went to an Alibaba conference in Hangzhou,、um, and、uh, actually, yeah, I might still have the photo. <laughs> And and it was organized by、uh, you know Jack Ma was was one of the key speakers. Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw the picture. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah. So yeah, tell, tell for the listeners. It's okay. Okay, so、story. so it was a it was a huge room, thousands of people. Jack Ma gave his talk,、um, and there were there were other CEOs of, of other businesses that were kind of part of the Alibaba、um, system across the world.、Um, and then they started Q and A, and I turned to Charlie. I was like, we gotta ask a question. And he's like, I'm not going up there. You go up there. I'm like. All right, give me a question. I don't know what to ask. Think you're smart. Think of something.、Um, and so Charlie gave me this question uh, about uh, payment channels and and about 
um, with all the digital payment channels did I think that we were moving towards a universal uh, payment channel. This is before, I mean Bitcoin existed, but it was before Bitcoin was in the news, right? Um, and so I, I kind of asked that question because, you know, we use WeChat Pay, Alipay here, but if we go overseas without a Chinese ID, we're not allowed to use these anymore, even if they do accept it. And most of the places we go, they don't. So I asked that question, but before I asked that, I introduced myself and I said, you know, I'm one of the co-founders of, of a platform that makes it easy for foreigners to shop on Taobao and Tmall. Um, and then somebody in the audience was like, woo, Taobao's! And I was like, yeah, we, had, we got a fan. Um, <laughs> And then after that, the vice president of Alibaba. The was like, founder. <laughs> yeah, no, and uh, he was way in the back. This was somebody up front. Um, but I don't know who it was, but whoever she was, um, thank you. Um, but uh, after that, the vice president of Alibaba uh, group reached out to me and you know just said, "Hey, so sorry at the conference. Great question." Um, and uh, we we never had too much interaction after that. But I have we have visited Alibaba's headquarters. Um, we've met with a few people there. Um, in different departments. Um, so we know that they like what we're doing. Um, they think it's, uh, a lot of them think it's really cool uh, and they think it's great that we are helping um, Alibaba reach new markets. So um, they actually endorsed us on their LinkedIn page in the summer of 2017, which was a huge relief and like an honor for us because <laughs> up to that point, we didn't really know how they felt about us. Right. Um, so they get no question mark that has been kind of answered. Right. And yeah. really feel worries, right? Yeah, at least for now, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, we have no, we have, yeah, we, we just don't know, right? So we want to just maximize the business um, and we, we don't want to take our foot off the gas pedal. We want to make sure that, um, you know, we, we have contingencies in case anything goes wrong, but really we just have to work with what we got and hope right. that it lasts. So one tip for networking, uh, which is pretty interesting. Uh, do you have another tip for founders who want to start a business here in China? Uh, the first thing, you know, the thing we started the podcast on really comes to mind is just make sure you understand the problem you're trying to solve. Um, a lot of people come in with an idea and um, they don't, they, they think it'll be cool, they, it's something that they want, um, but they haven't clearly defined the problem, they haven't clearly defined who experiences that problem, whether those, how they're gonna reach those people, whether those people are willing to pay for the solution, they haven't worked out all these really essential kind of foundational pieces, right? Um, they just kind of get swept up in the finished product before they, you know, started building it. Um, so that's that's one key. But another key, I think, is is making sure you build uh, build the right team um, and and that people join you for the right reasons. One of the I mean, part of the reason for our success, a big part, is the team um, and how hard they work um, and and how supportive they are of each other. And that's because. I think we've hired people who wanted to join us because they believed in our culture and, and in what we were doing. They understood why we exist. Um, and, and when we interview people, we don't look at their CVs. I mean, unless they're like tech, but for most of our employees, we don't care about their CV. Um, I just ask them, what do you know about us already? And why do you want to work here? And if they give me good answers to those, that shows me that they're curious and they're persistent. Um, and in today's world, that'll pretty much get you where you need to go. And if you have a whole team of these people who, who like the work, who are engaged with the work, who care about what they're doing. Um, Align with the mission. Yeah, you can do a whole lot. Right. Um, where can people find you and more about Mount Right, Mount okay. Um, they want to reach out. Sure. Um, well, if anybody wants to, to email me, it's just jayj at baopals.com. Our website is baopals.com. Um, 
and uh, yeah, that I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, you know, it's just Jake Thornhill. If you find Val Pals on LinkedIn, I think you'll find me. Um, and uh, you know, we actually we we provide a service. If I can just do a shameless plug, you can um, do it. We we Please. help foreigners start companies in China. So we we actually have a uh, a service team dedicated to helping people register uh, foreign-owned enterprises in China. We consult them about what type of business license they need. Um, and uh, we help them with visas, company bank account, tax filings. Um, we help people set up official WeChat accounts so they can build a following. Um, and we help people set up Taobao shops and Baobao stores. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to shamelessly That's, plug that. If anybody is looking for help, uh, um, it's our pleasure. Actually. Yeah, and it's, 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 a, it's a new service we launched at the beginning of this year. Um, and we've helped a bunch of people get off the ground. And it's really... It's really rewarding because we've been through that journey, so we, we yeah. know another problem here. Yeah, Ding. <laughs> yeah we know we know the, the fears and the hesitations and the doubts, and so we just want to try to make that process a lot smoother. And um, you know, starting starting a business is I think it's one of the best things you could do with your life. So if we can help people do that, and, and hopefully they find some success, then that'll be great. Jay Thornhill, thank you very much for thank uh, you, Georgia. Pleasure. Thanks. Yeah. Cheers.